it is time for another episode of Crunch Time Plays. Roll the intro, and here we go. It's time for the Crunch Time Plays podcast, where we talk all things sports from the collegiate level all the way up to the pros. And now, here's your host, Bennett Ganey. All right, welcome in to episode number seven of Crunch Time Plays. I'm so delighted to be joined today by Aaron Torres, college hoops and college football writer, host of Fox Sports. He's on Fox Sports Radio, and you can also find his podcast, the Aaron Torres Podcast. And I'm just so thankful to have Aaron on with us today. What's up, man? Bennett, what's going on, man? Pleasure is mine. I appreciate you having me. Awesome. Just wanted to get in a little college basketball with you today. I know you had a big week on your podcast. You had Nate Oates, the head basketball coach at Alabama, and then you had Joe Lenardi on this week. And uh, I'm hoping to get Joe Lenardi on next week, get on his calendar right here on Crunch Time Plays. And just give me your thoughts on what you heard from Nate Oates and then what you heard from Joe Lenardi. Well, you know, Coach Oates, I don't know when this will run, Bennett, but we're recording here Friday afternoon, and I think Coach Oates is really happy with where his team in first place in the SEC, but I also think he knows that, you know, they're not where they were four or five weeks ago, and I think it's natural. I think it's natural to have a little bit of a letdown when you have that much success, and they've also been really, really, really banged up, and it didn't get better on Tuesday when they were playing South Carolina and ended up losing another player to injury, and so that was kind of my big takeaway with Coach Oates. I mean, I really enjoy – I've had him on many times, you know, well before, um, you know, he kind of became a, a pseudo-household name in college basketball this season. But I always enjoyed talking ball with him, and that was really fun. And then Joe Lenardi, um, you know, we had a really interesting conversation. He's got a book coming out, and it was really more about um, his career, how bracketology became a thing – um, then it was anything to do with, you know, hey, Stanford's a seven seed, and I think they're an eight seed. Let's argue about it. So it was a fun week, and, you know, like you, Bennett, just blessed to do what we do. But two great guests, you know, obviously after you're done listening to this one, I encourage people to go check that stuff out too because it was a lot of fun. All right, let's get into a little bracketology talking about Joe and Artie. I know he's got uh, number on the one line, he's got Gonzaga, Baylor, Ohio State, and Michigan. Just give me your thoughts on those potential number one seeds and what other team do you think is in line for uh, to get on that one line? Well, I mean, Alabama's probably the one that I think if they keep winning, they're probably in pretty good shape. Uh, but, yeah, no, those, those feel like the right teams, and, and it's just crazy because it's just such an unprecedented year with COVID. I mean, you mentioned Michigan, and they really haven't played basically in almost a month by the time they take the court on Sunday, Valentine's Day. Um so I think those are the right teams. Um, in terms of teams that can get there, I don't really know that there's that many. You know, it's almost like the college football playoff where it feels like there's there's three teams that are really deserving of those number ones, Baylor, Gonzaga, and Michigan. And then the fourth one, is it going to be Ohio State? Could it be Alabama? Um, and beyond that, there, there's not a lot of good candidates. You know, just as an example, Texas Tech is ranked seventh in the country right now in the polls, and they are um, – they're seventh in the polls, but they are also uh, um, 
They're also uh, losing. You know, they've lost three of their last six. So I, I don't know what the answer is, but I just think it's going to be really interesting to see because it does feel a little bit like the college football playoff to me where, like I said, there's a couple really obvious teams, but then there's a couple ones that aren't nearly as obvious. Yeah, I want to get into Alabama real quick. Obviously, uh, Coach Oates, I think he's a big believer in the analytics. He believes, you know, taking threes and, and short-range twos. And he's obviously got a lot of potential NBA draft picks on his team when you talk about John Petty and Herb Jones. And then he's got Primo, the freshman, that should be a senior in high school. Where, where do you think Alabama – how far – is Alabama Final Four good – uh, it's a great question, Bennett. You know, I mean, I think if I think Coach Oates believes, and he said it on my podcast, if they're healthy, yeah, he thinks they can play with just about anybody. Now, Gonzaga and Baylor maybe are on a different level, but I don't think they're really afraid of anybody, nor should they be. I mean, you look at what they've done in the SEC. I mean, Arkansas is a tournament team. They beat them by 30. LSU is a tournament team. They beat them by 30. You, you sweep Kentucky, including a 20-point win at Rupp. Uh, you just go on and on down the list. I don't think there's anything for him to be worried about. I think the biggest thing is health. And it was really interesting, but, it, you know, I kind of asked him this, and I understand why he wouldn't um, answer it. But I kind of get the sense that they're a team that, as weird as it sounds, could probably use a little bit of time off right now. And they're one of the few teams that hasn't had a COVID break at all this year. And nobody wants a COVID break because it means people are sick and you can't practice and you can't do this and you can't do that. But I think he feels like, man, it wouldn't be the worst thing if if we could just get one of these Saturdays off or a Wednesday off just to get a little bit healthy. So I, I think when you talk about them, yeah, I think they are Final Four good, Bennett. But I think the question becomes, you know, are, are they going to be healthy going into March? And, and, you know, I think their goal now is to win the SEC uh, with uh, a game or two to go so that they can actually rest their guys to end the regular season um, and they don't have to push all the way through. So so I think they're up, what, three with, with uh, five games to go or whatever. So I think they're trying to push to the finish line, clinch the SEC regular season title, get some of their key players like Herb Jones, et cetera, some rest, and then just hope that they can get to March fully healthy. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think. As long as they're, as long as John Petty's hitting threes, you know, I, I watched them play against LSU whenever they played them at their place, and John Petty started eight for eight from behind the arc, and Alabama, you know, started like twelve for twelve from three. What what's your philosophy on kind of the analytics stage in basketball now? I know you know analytics has been around for a long time. I know a lot of people, you know, used to refer them to stats as I had. Uh, former North Carolina men's basketball coach Matt Doherty on uh, on episode number two of this podcast, and he was kind of talking about that, how it's just just referred to something different now. Where do you kind of stand on the, the whole analytics debate, and do you think that coaches should totally rely on that, or do you think it's more of a feel during the game? Yeah, it's really funny you asked me that. Um, so after Alabama's most recent game in South Carolina, I thought their defensive effort was kind of meh. I thought it was okay. I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was elite. And so Ken Pomeroy, who's kind of the analytics guru, was like, wow, Alabama has one of the best defenses in the country. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. I understand it. But I also watched the game, and I I felt like they could have had a better defensive effort. And so I bring it up because I, I think the stats are really, really, really important. And I think they're important in the case of somebody like Alabama, who if you look at them, you know, they're giving up whatever, 72, 75, 78 points, whatever it is a game. And you say, oh, they're not good on defense. 
But then you also kind of look and you say, well, wait a second now, they play at a faster pace and that's important. And so I think the analytics are important, but I also don't think you can become beholden to them. And, and, and you know, it's funny, I'll give you a good example of this from outside the basketball world. You know, I have a buddy who's a professional gambler out in Vegas, and one of his favorite bets for the Super Bowl was the under, the game under. And I remember talking to him, and I asked him point blank, I said, look, I get that the numbers tell you one thing, but I don't want to be the guy that's sitting there with an under ticket when Patrick Mahomes is throwing the ball all over the field. Now, as it turned out, of course, the game went under and all that stuff, but you know, it, I think that's a good example of the analytic, analytics might tell you one thing, but your eyes might, you know, you also have to trust your eyes in some of this stuff. And I, and I do think sometimes when it comes to all sports, especially basketball, we become too beholden to them. And nobody can just sit down and say, well, I like the way that this team defends and I think this team turns the ball over too much. It's got to throw a number on it. So, you know, to me, I think it's important. I think it's an important part of what we do. I don't think it should be the only way that we evaluate teams and players. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't, I don't think it should be the, the end-all, be-all or anything like that. And Just what do you think the committee takes into account with those kind of analytics? I know they look a lot at the net. That's obviously the number one you know, tool that they use. The net has a lot of the analytics in it. Just where, what do you think the committee relies on most when trying to decide on the field of 68 and where they should be seated? Well, I think what's going to be even more interesting this year than anything is, um, you know, what about the COVID stuff, right? You know, I mean, there are going to be teams, I mean, even within leagues that don't play anywhere close to the same amount of games. You know, just as an example, I was looking at the Big East standings the other day, Creighton's in second place in the conference, and they've played almost twice as many conference games as Villanova is, who's been in first place. Um, And so because of that, I, I bring all that up to just kind of really simply say, um, you know, I, I, what I'm curious about, yes, the net is important. Yes, quad one wins are important. People who don't know what quad one is, it's just basically the best wins against the best teams. And obviously the more of those that you have and the fewer losses, the better your resume looks. But I think the committee's going to have a really tough job this year, not only in picking teams, but in seeding them, because there's going to be such an imbalance in number of games played. You know, I'll give you another example. My, my alma mater, UConn, um, they've had three different shutdowns this year. They've also had injuries the way that everybody has injuries. And, and how do you gauge them? They've only played 13 games so far this season. I think, uh, you know, Creighton, Alabama, as an example, I think has played 21, 22 games. I mean, not that you're comparing Alabama's resume to UConn because one's a bubble team and one's a potential number one seed. But, uh, I mean, you know, how would you gauge a, a similar team like Alabama that's maybe closer to the bubble that's played 21 or 22 games? And UConn's only played, I think it was 13, I said. So, you know, I think that's going to be the interesting thing to me. And it's funny because I, I thought that was going to be an interesting thing with the college football playoff, and it really wasn't, um, simply because of the fact that by the end of the season we kind of figured out who was the best. But I think it's going to be really interesting not only where, where teams get – what teams get in, but also, you know, how we determine where they're getting seated and all that stuff. Where do you see – Switching to the Gonzaga versus Baylor kind of debate, what what do you what do you think? Um, you think Baylor is more worthy of Gonzaga of the number one overall seed than Gonzaga? I know the the Big Twelve is really great from top to bottom this year. Baylor's got a lot of quad one wins. 
just what what do you see as far as that kind of debate? And if they're on opposite sides of the bracket, is that who you expect the national championship game to be? Yeah, I mean, you know, to me, I don't know if the number one overall seed really matters that much um, this year because the, the, the tournament is all in one place. Everybody's going to be in Indy. Um, and so I don't know that that matters. I think Baylor's the better team personally. And I would also add to it, you know, I think Gonzaga – it's going to be interesting because they're really going to have gone unchallenged basically for two months going into this NCAA tournament because, you know, you watch them the last few games, they kind of just let teams hang around. And, they, they, you know, there's a reason that Mark Few was trying to schedule an out-of-conference game uh, within the last few weeks against the marquee team because I think he really believes that his team needs to be pushed and challenged and tested against some of these better teams. And so, um, yes, I think they're going to be on the opposite side of the bracket. I would add, I think we're getting to the point now where I think people would be disappointed if we didn't see them in the, in the national championship. I mean, I think it'd be pretty awesome if both those teams could get into the tournament undefeated and then, of course, meet in the national championship undefeated. I don't know how realistic that is, especially Baylor still having a bunch of Big 12 games, but that, to me, would be the most exciting outcome that we could possibly have. I hope we get it. I would say right now I'm more worried about Gonzaga than Baylor. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I know Gonzaga scheduled that game with Virginia, you know, around a couple months back, and and – they're obviously trying to schedule some high-quality opponents because they know that their schedule in the West Coast Conference, you know, isn't that great. We'll talk about Illinois for a second. They were, you know, they haven't been very good recently, and now they have Brad Underwood. He was at South Carolina before with Frank Martin. He was at Kansas State before with him. Just kind of what do you see from Brad Underwood and the Illini? Well, you know, it really sucks because Michigan's on COVID pause. They were supposed to play Michigan on Thursday night. By the way, you're a, you're a hoops nut, aren't you, Bennett? You, 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 you're pretty locked in on the scene here. Oh, yeah. You know, I've, I've been to college basketball. I mean, I've really been a sports fan, you know, my whole life. I mean, I'm pretty pretty Who's dialed in. I'm pretty dialed in on the basketball world. Who's your squad? Well, I went I went to the University of South Carolina, so, you know, that's that's kind of my squad. But, you know. Uh, I'm just trying to de- I'm just trying to decide if I want Frank Martin to come back next year or not. Like, I've had a few South Carolina fans say similar stuff to me. Um, so yeah, no, I I feel you. Um, yeah, so Illinois is just another one of those teams, right? I mean, they're they're really good. They, the thing with them is a lot of these Big Ten teams they have their style and they play well in the context of the Big Ten. The difference with Illinois is they have legitimate NBA players and they can beat anybody on a neutral court at any given time. Now, they lost to Baylor earlier this year, and obviously, you know, the Baylor-Gonzaga tier is probably a different tier than everybody else. But I would also kind of add to that that it does feel like, uh, you know, that, uh, that, you know, Illinois is probably in that next group with Michigan, with Ohio State, maybe one or two other teams that I think if one of those teams gets tripped up and maybe it'll be by one of those teams, I think those three are probably the ones that I like the most, Michigan, Ohio State, and Illinois. So, um, yeah, I like Illinois a lot. I think they're really interesting, and uh, you know, I'll be curious to see how they play the second half of the season. All right, I got one more for you before I let you go. I know we're about out of time here. Who is a team that you think that is not being talked about right now? Maybe, maybe it's a mid-major, maybe it's a power five kind of team, kind of like South Carolina, you know, in 2017, Auburn in 2019. Just what is a team out there that you think can make that Cinderella-type run? You know, 
it's weird because this is so bizarre in that every time outside of Gonzaga and Baylor, every time there's somebody that you think, okay, they've turned a corner, they're getting hot, they end up losing a game. Um, the team that kind of has caught my eye the last few weeks is West Virginia. Um, you know, for people who don't know, West Virginia, their, their leading returning scorer was struggling early in the season and decided to transfer. And Bob Huggins basically rebuilt his entire offense on the fly, going from a team that played two big guys and were kind of this big bruising physical team down low to a team that, um, you know, to a team that now plays more kind of four out the way that most teams play these days with a lot of guards, a lot of three-point shooting, and one big guy. And so they seem to have really hit their stride with that. They've beaten Texas Tech twice in the last few weeks. They uh, they beat somebody. They beat Kansas the other day. And I think they're really starting to hit their stride. Now, I will say, um, you know, there's a lot of teams that play like that. And so I think the physicality advantage that they had last year isn't really there anymore. But when, I look, when I'm just looking at teams that nobody's really talking about, West Virginia, I think they're 6-1 and one in their last seven, 5-1 and one in their last six, something like that. I think they're starting to play really well. Yeah, then I agree. I got one more for you before I let you go. What about Missouri? I know Quanzo Martin. Missouri's obviously haven't been very good either the past few years, and Quanzo Martin's system's kind of a junior-senior kind of system. What do you see from Missouri, and how big of a noise can they make come March? Well, we're recording before the Arkansas game, and so it's tough, right? I mean, they, they looked awesome against, uh, who was it, Alabama the other day, and they looked terrible against uh, Ole Miss the other day. And so they're one of those teams that I'm kind of that I'm kind of talking about is every time that somebody starts to turn a corner, somebody starts to look like a team that, oh, man, you know, you don't want them in your bracket, they end up taking a bad loss. And so I think Missouri's another one of those teams. You know, Quanzo Martin has been around – um, but I do agree, you know, he's kind of a guy that does better with veterans, and that is by definition a veteran team. They're not quite as old as Wisconsin, but, I mean, you talk about a team that has a bunch of guys that have been there, you know, three, four, five years, that's a veteran, veteran, veteran squad. So they're going to be one to watch, um, but I just need to see more consistency from them. They've had some really good wins, but taking some really bad losses as well. Yeah, I agree. I've got one last thing for you. Uh, what's going on with Kentucky, Duke, and North Carolina? They stink. I mean, is that a good enough answer for you? Hey, they really, I mean, really, really stink. You know, what I'll say real quick, and then I got to run, is that, um, you know, it, it's a bigger conversation, but th- I think those programs really were hurt by um, by th- this offseason. I mean, Kentucky, you know, John Calipari said it after the Arkansas game this week where, look, I have a way of doing things that has worked for 15 years um, in ter- terms of the schedule of the summer into the fall, into the exhibition slate, into the preseason, into the out-of-conference, into the in-conference, and we didn't have that schedule. And so I think when you look at them, when you look at Duke, I think it's the exact same scenario. I think North Carolina is a little different. They're really, I think they're probably better. I think they're 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 not quite Duke, Michigan State, Kentucky bad, but I think those are the bigger concerns going forward. Yeah, I agree. All right, Aaron, thank you so much for joining me today. Tell everybody where they can find you on social media and what you got coming up there at Fox Sports Radio and on the Aaron Torres podcast. Yeah, um, Aaron Torres, Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter is probably the best place to find all my work. Um, at Aaron underscore Torres, and then uh, yeah, the podcast is posted there. Um, Google Aaron underscore Torres. Like I said, we've had some good guests. I appreciate you letting me plug uh, Coach Oates and of course Joe Lenardi. And, um, and yeah, that's really it, man. Thank you, Bennett. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Aaron. 
That was Aaron Torres from Fox Sports Radio, College Hoops and Bass, College Hoops and Football Writer, excuse me. And you can find him on the Aaron Torres podcast. And make sure you go back and listen to his interviews with Coach Oates and and Joe Lenardi. And obviously, he had Matt Doherty on as well, who we had in episode number two. And make sure to to follow Aaron. He got some great content out there. It is time to get out of here today. Just want to give a little plug to our first six uh, podcast guests. Make sure if you have not listened to the first six episodes, make sure you go back and listen to those. The first one's with Auburn Undercover's Nathan King. The second is with former North Carolina basketball coach Matt Doherty. The third is John Shipley from Jaguar Report. The fourth is college football extraordinaire. Josh Pate from 24-7 Sports, host of The Late Kick with Josh Pate. Episode number five, we have Mike Yuva from Watch Fox 57 in Columbia, South Carolina. And episode number six is the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast host, Keith Alsep. So if you haven't missed, excuse me, if you've missed any of those episodes, make sure you go back and listen to those. Follow me on Twitter at Shotgun726. Follow Crunch Time Plays on Twitter at Plays Crunch. We want to hear from you, so if you have questions for me, you can email me at Bennett at CrunchTimePlays.com. That's B-E-N-N-E-T-T at CrunchTimePlays.com. Want to do a, a kind of a mailbag show here next week, so if you got questions for me, make sure you pass those along. Don't forget to spread the word. That's the fastest way for us to grow. Y'all are the best audience in the world. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to seeing you next time on Crunch Time Plays. God bless everybody.